English Art International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Kathy Bird, Fresh Art producer, and today I'm speaking with Franklin Sermons. He's the curator of contemporary art at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, and he has an impressive portfolio. Most recently, he was curator of modern and contemporary art at the Menil Collection in Houston, and he's organized some really high-profile projects, including Neo-Hoodoo, Art for a Forgotten Faith, Basquiat, and solo exhibitions with Maurizio Catalan. He's also well-known as a critic, art writer, and editor. He served as editor of both Flash Art and Asia Art Pacific magazines. And last fall, to top all this off, Franklin was commissioned as artistic director for Prospect 3 New Orleans. He has a lot going on, so I'm really happy I was able to catch up with him. And I'd love to just start with LACMA. What we've been hearing a lot about LACMA lately is that big rock. <laughs> yeah, I just came in from seeing it, actually. And the artist, Michael Heiser, has been here over the last few weeks, and everything is pretty much getting put into place. I think we might even now be a little bit ahead of schedule. <laughs> you can imagine there were some delays in the process of bringing this huge 340-ton megalith out here from Riverside, California, on a specially made uh, flatbed type of truck. Yeah, it's in a good it's in a good position now. It's looking fantastic. And is this something that interests you to develop for your platform there as well as some public art projects? I think the idea of of large scale sculpture is something that is really important to hear and to the way that you experience art specifically at LACMA. And I think part of that is us thinking about where it is we are, uh, taking advantage of, you know, being in a place with weather like this. Uh, it is a, it is about the campus. It's about the entire campus. I'm sure that that has come into play over a long period of time, but it also has been something that has been really at the heart of planning since Michael Govan arrived in uh, 2005. So this idea is something that has been a long time in the making, but also a short time in the making as well. You know, being out here on the West Coast, BACMA only opened in 1965, so the history is still quite young in some ways, especially as far as encyclopedic museums go. If we think of places like the High in Atlanta, for one, or probably much further back, places like the Art Institute in Chicago and uh, the Metropolitan, or even the MFA in Houston. The way that this encyclopedic museum works in, in that period of time does depend a lot on on its place out here in Southern California. So you have this widening landscape, and campus really is the right word, that goes, you know, we're, we're tucked next to the tar pits, so the beginning of, of time, if you will, and, you know, we have buildings that are almost brand new. So we're looking at a large period of time and thinking about the way that people encounter artwork. And I think outdoor is obviously a, a really important part of that. You have a series of palm trees that are dotted around the campus, but most specifically around the newer buildings. That is something that 
came about, you know, not so long ago, and that's by Robert Irwin. You also have what I think has become one of the most popular landmarks in any image of identifying Los Angeles is Chris Burden's wonderful light sculpture. Uh, so this idea of, of large-scale sculpture is something that is really at play right now as far as the campus goes, and it's something that I think will continue to build upon. I think it is really important for LACMA as part of its history to have the public art projects. Everything here is public. You know, there are some that are outdoor, some that are indoor, but everything is really a, a public art project. And that's very much the way that we see ourselves. I mean, based here, really logistically and geographically in the middle of Los Angeles, and we are the county museum. So we are thinking very much about being a focal point and being a center for people to come and, you know, to dialogue and have that dialogue be perhaps provoked by some of the artwork around it. Your question was also a little bit, I think, towards me specifically, and I'll just mention that Michael Heiser is somebody that's been in the back of my mind for a really long time. You know, I worked at Dia Center for the Arts from 1993 to 1996, and in that time, my current director, Michael Govan, came to Dia and replaced Charlie Wright and became the director there for several years, I think about 12 or 13 years, and in that time, built the Dia Beacon. Heiser is an integral part of that institution indoors. And I also, having been at the Manila Collection, which is the same family as Dia Center for the Arts, having been founded by parents of one of Dia's founders, the de Manila family, uh, John and Dominique, there, there is a Michael Heiser piece that is installed directly into the front lawn. So you pass his work as you enter into that museum. So these different positions of Heiser are something that I have had the good fortune to uh, at least be around in some um, fashion. And, you know, it's exciting to, to see the work here in the present. You organized an exhibition there last year from the collection. What mm. other projects do you have in the works curatorially at LACMA? Part of what I am still doing right now is dealing with the collection of the Broad, which, you know, here is known as BCAM and the Broad Contemporary Art Museum. So I'm working on an exhibition that will join not only works from their collection, but also works from LACMA's permanent collection to try and find some synergy between the two. And that's a display that will happen this summer right now focusing on the late 80s and thinking about some of the artists that the roads have in depth versus some of those artists that we also share in the collection. So people like Sherry Levine, um, Barbara Kruger, Louise Lawler, Robert Longo, I mean, looking at that period specifically through, you know, one of the biggest collectors, I think, of that time. And then seeing the way that it develops here. Also looking forward to a 2014 exhibition on the work of Noah Purifoy, which we're organizing here with myself and a woman named Yael Lipschitz, who will be my co-curator on that show. And uh, Purifoy is an artist who came out here from Alabama in the early 1950s, worked as a furniture maker and designer, and then turned towards making artworks in the latter part of the 50s, early 60s, had an epiphany around the uh, Watts Rebellion and ended up making a large project called 66 Signs of Neon, made from the detritus of that. And uh, as an artist that I think, you know, should be much more well-known, what has also allowed us to concentrate solely on the solo exhibition is the fact that he was part of the exhibition Now Dig This, 
organized by Kelly Jones last year, uh, which appeared at the Hammer, and is now traveling to PS1 in New York. And Purefoy plays a really integral role in that exhibition. I know that you are all around seeing different exhibitions here in the States and abroad. I spent a week in uh, Doha and Dubai a couple of weeks ago looking basically at new work. There was a, a fair there and had the opportunity to go because we also have an exhibition that's traveling there from our Middle East department, which is in Doha now. So I had the opportunity to attend that and definitely thinking about new ideas and new trends and looking at what's coming out of that region in particular. Well, Sharjah Biennial was yeah. was a big hit a couple of years ago, and that whole region's getting a lot more attention. It's definitely exciting. I think there's a, a great dialogue and important work being done there, without a doubt. Fresh Art International was at the opening of Prospect to New Orleans, and we featured conversations with William Pope L. and Joyce Scott. And while I was there, we found out that you would be the artistic director of Prospect 3. Well, I mean, I think it's it's an honor to be asked, first and foremost. Dan Cameron had really forged the idea of Prospect as a post-Hurricane Katrina event. I mean, like most biennials, these things grow out of something. Uh, you think about Documenta and Germany putting itself back on the sort of cultural map after World War II, or even Venice and the end of the, what, 19th century as a sort of outgrowth of culture, a way of talking about that in a wider scope. So I, I think New Orleans is the perfect place for this kind of international exhibition that is perhaps in some ways equally about its site and its place and that deep, deep history that comes from that city and equally about being a place to talk about international, global ideas across the world and across a contemporary art. I can't think of a better place. Well, I love it. I've been a fan since the beginning, so I was really excited to think about what you would do if you were there. You know, we've backed up to October of 14, uh, so we have a good amount of time. We have good people working who are on the ground there, and I'm being also advised by my co-curators here, Christine Y. Kim and Rita Gonzalez. I want to make sure that we have a good group of artists who can work with this site specifically in addition to works that are already existing. Excellent. That was one of the main draws for me for the Prospect One, yeah. how amazingly it linked with the topography, the cultural environment, the history. All of that was so engaging. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, I think it's great that you're able to connect where you are with Prospect One and work with the curators that you work with now. I think that's critically important. You've got the infrastructure that I think they were struggling with. Yeah, I think that will be really helpful, and they've also re-upped the team there in terms of the board and, and people who are working on the ground, and, and I'll be working with Ilva Rouse, who's worked with Dan for many, many, many years, and she's there in New Orleans. And I think one of the interesting things, though, I find about the, the New Orleans-LA thing and as it relates is the Louisiana sort of film industry last year or two, almost two years ago, went over like a billion dollars. And obviously that is a, a shared trait. And we've embraced our connection, I think, to film in this city by concentrating in some ways 
on, well, how do artists deal with that medium? And already recognizing the importance of the medium for contemporary art, especially in the last 30-something years, but then even thinking about it a little bit more in depth and, and thinking about artists that are innovative with the medium and in some cases relate to some of the more uh, offerings more identified with Hollywood. So we've been thinking about uh, film and video a lot, and you probably know of our acquisition of Christian Marclay's The Clock last year. And then this year, we're also working on a couple of other major acquisitions and looking very specifically at some major video works of the last decade. So it's something that we think about a lot here, and it's something that obviously will play a, a role in terms of the next prospect, and especially with New Orleans being such an integral part of the American film industry right now. Uh, it should be interesting to see some of those links. You've been listening to Fresh Talk with Franklin Sermons. Read more about Franklin and hear other podcasts in the series on freshartinternational.com.